Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And um, in light of the holiday coming up, um, you know, I don't always feel the need to minister on, you know, around the holidays and, you know, necessarily be relevant to what's coming up, but we all know what's coming up on Thanksgiving. Hopefully it didn't sneak up on you. Hopefully you've got all your plans and preparations made and uh, excited. If you're traveling, who's traveling? There's a couple people. Okay. All right. Well, the rest of you, enjoy your time together with family. Those of you that are traveling, we pray blessings and traveling mercies over you as you travel. And um, I believe we're just going to have a great Thanksgiving. Let's get in the word here. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, uh, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate, the temple which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. How many of you know sometimes, uh, you know, we think of church as the place where our needs are met and, and those type of things. But, uh, you know, I want to let you know that there's people on the way to church that have needs. There, there's people outside these four walls that are hurting, that are in pain, and that's why we're here. Amen? We're here to receive something on the inside so we have something to give away on the outside. Amen? And so we see someone that's hurting. He's not even inside the church. And many times we skip over the people that are hurting on the outside so we can get on the inside just to get something. But here as they're going to the temple, they see this gentleman in verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Expecting something. It might not be, uh, you know, what you're expecting to give, but they're expecting to receive. Amen. And uh, so we see this gentleman, he's expecting, he's expecting to get something. And uh, verse six, and Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. Silver and gold, I do not have. I do not have. Everyone say, I do not have. I do not have. You know, I think that communicates a lot to a a, a lot of believers, um, that there's a lot of things we don't have. You know, Christians have big hearts. I think that there are needs out there, and I don't think there you know, are literally believers on the face of this planet that see needs in the world and see needs going on around them that just literally don't care about those needs. And if they were in a position to give and to help and to be a blessing, that they would find a way to do that. But sometimes I think we fix ourselves on what we don't have. Rather than what Peter does, he says, uh, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. What I do have, I give you. Silver and gold I don't have. I know what you're looking for. I I, I know what you're expecting to receive because you've got that face on that says, hey, you you, you got something for me? The the, The eyes are lighting up and the face, the facial expressions are starting to get excited because, hey, you, you stopped and you talked to me. That's, that's half the battle right there, right? Just you stopping and making eye contact and, and looking like you're about to, you know, and, and so the gentleman here is, 
excited. He's expecting to receive what? Silver and gold. He's expecting to receive alms. He's expecting to put out his hand or his cup or his plate. He's expecting uh, Peter and John to deep to reach deep down within their pockets and pull out some change because that's just how this guy is going to eat today. This is how this guy is going to get mode of transportation or, you know, whatever it is that this gentleman's using it for. He obviously cannot work, so he has to find another way to bring in some income. Okay? So, Peter and John, Peter speaks up and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. And today I want to focus on, the title of my message today is Thanksgiving. I know it's one word, and I know that we celebrate it, you know, coming up here in about four days. Uh, we celebrate Thanksgiving one word. But I want to talk about Thanksgiving. I want to talk about what do the two have in relation? Because there's a reason why it's not called Thanksgiving. You know, usually, usually we give thanks after we've gotten something. But I want to talk about the correlation between thankfulness and giving. There is something that I think is creeping into the church. It's been in the world for some time. But I I think it's starting to creep in church. I was ministering with our leadership just last week uh, in our monthly uh, staff meeting uh, with our leadership team. And, and one thing that I was expressing to them is I, I think that we need to do better with social media, Facebook and Twitter and these type of things. And it starts with me. It starts with the head, as most things in leadership do, um, because I don't really like uh, primarily Facebook. Um, I, I just don't really enjoy it. it. It's not something that I love to do to pass the time. Um, in fact, I find the more time that I spend on it, the more time I'm irritated uh, and, and confused um, and just frustrated with the world. Um, you know, Facebook is, is not to be mistaken as a voice. Um, you know, used to, you had to stop and think before you say something, and now you have to stop and think before you type something. Um, and it just allows you to see people's brains on paper really quick. And not only that, but there's other things on there that just, you know, I don't really enjoy. Maybe you enjoy cat videos and uh, people taking their phone and setting it up on their dash while they're driving and singing duets with each other and, uh, you know, and then taking IQ quizzes and finding out which actor or actress you are most like. Maybe those are things that you love passing the time with. That just doesn't, it, 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 I, I don't enjoy that. And, and it, do not send me an invite to pay to play Candy Crush because uh, I will deny it every single time. <laughs> anybody, anybody agree with me on that? All right, good, good. All right. So there's a lot of things, but at the same time, it's a tool. It's a tool that we ought to be using for the kingdom of God. And, and, and I believe uh, for those of us that use it consistently, this doesn't apply to everybody, but for people that use it consistently, I believe that if I go through your news feed, I ought to be able to quickly determine what you're passionate about. I believe I've, I should, uh, you know, be able to get an idea, you know, that, man, you've got kids and grandkids and you just love posting their soccer pictures up and, and, and they've done this new thing and 
you know, you're, you're passionate about your job and excited about what's going on there, or maybe you're not passionate about your job or not excited about what's going on there. Uh, you know, whatever's going on, you might be passionate about a football team. You might be passionate. You might be posting up there when they lose and when they win, and, and man, that was a big play. You know, those things are identifiable. And I was encouraging our leadership that I said, you know, it ought to identify where we go to church. I, I think that, you know, as far as our leadership, those of us that are on it regularly, and, and I'm trying to do a better job of this, that people ought to go through my newsfeed and they ought to know that I pastor a church and that I'm excited about what God is doing at Anchor Faith Church Valdosta, and I'm sharing posts and I'm putting on there, what a powerful service today. Man, that was an awesome word. And, and people on the outside that don't even know me, because how many of you know your Facebook friends, are they really your friends, but they ought to be at least be able to go through my newsfeed and say, man, he's, he sure is passionate about that church. There must be something awesome going on at Anchor Faith Church because he's constantly posting about it. I just believe that. But where, where, where I was kind of getting from this is I, I, I've begun to identify a, a character flaw, I think it is. I, I, I mean, I've been kind of trying to identify what it is, and, and I think it's a character flaw. And it's one word, discontentment. Discontentment. The world is just discontent about everything. And we speak more negatively than we do positively. Can anyone agree with me that that there is a negative influence and a negative nature about so many things? I, 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 I challenged our leadership team. In the meeting, and I would challenge you today as well. Find something positive about what's going on. Could you find something positive about the United States of America? Could we find something positive about our president rather than something negative? Find something positive about what's going on in the world rather than the negative. It's a challenge. I know. It's hard. I know that. I'm not saying as a pastor, I'm just automatically positive, and look at me, got to be spiritual like me. I just, I just see through rose-colored lenses all the time. But it's easy to be negative, and it's a challenge to be positive. But I, I think the root of it is discontentment. Now, I looked up this word content, and I first uh, was reading it, and it meant, uh, you know, something that is packaged within a thing. And I said, that's, that's not right. And that was the word content. That's another word. It's spelled the same. It's not the word I was looking for. So I had to scroll down a little bit more, and I finally found content. And it means this, satisfied with what one is or has. Satisfied with what one is or has. And then it has a semicolon. That means there's more to it. Look at your neighbor say, there's more to it. There's more to it. It also says this. Not wanting more or anything else. Not wanting more or anything else. I mean, that's what it means to be content. So then the opposite of that would obviously be not satisfied with what one is or has. And always wanting more. And always wanting something else. That even what I have isn't good enough. I've got to have something different. I've got to have something better. You know, I, I think part of this is brought on uh, by advertising and marketing. You know, in 12 months, uh, Apple has uh, locked you in that in 12 months you expect a different phone. 
and you expect that what you currently have isn't good enough anymore. The, the, the world is shaping us into this not good enough mentality. In fact, your phone is really only good for about eight months because four months before they actually release the phone, they're already telling you about the next one. So you've already been geared for four months to look at what you have, and I'm stuck with this. Man, I can't wait for the next thing to come out. I can't wait for the new one. I can't wait for this or wait for that. You know, something's been kind of weird. You know, I've just kind of noticed this subconsciously about vehicles. Vehicles. And every few years, they change the look of them. They look different. Um. You know, I'm, I'm a truck guy. Most of you know that. And uh, it, it's amazing how the trucks today, 2015 and the 2016 Fords, they look amazing. They're, that's a good-looking truck. I don't know if I have any truck guys in here, but that's a good-looking truck. But the one, the model right before it isn't even that old. But it looks old. It looks like it's a decade old compared, I mean, the new Chevys. The new Chevys are phenomenal. They're good-looking trucks, man. The new Tahoes and the new Escalades. They, I mean, the, the, they have a new squared look. But if you go back to 2012, 2013, they had that rounded look. That I remember when those came out, and it was like, man, that is a good-looking Tahoe. And now it looks like it's 10 years old next to the it's – just, it, it's just interesting to me how the world is always pushing us to the next thing. And we never become happy or satisfied with what we currently have. And if we do, it's very short-lived. Very short-lived. And so I think that there's a nature of discontentment that has has crept in, uh, and it's crept into the church. That nothing is good enough. And, And when you're discontented, you only speak negatively. You only speak. There's nothing positive when you're discontented. When you when you feel like you don't have enough, when you feel like I'm not satisfied, there, there's nothing positive about that that comes out. And that's what we're seeing portrayed. It doesn't matter who gets in the office next year. You give them about eight months and you're going to be wanting a new president. I'm just telling you. Right now, whoever you've been eyeballing and whoever you've been looking at, you're thinking, man, could you just please hurry up and get into office and relieve us of what we currently have. But you, you just wait. You just wait. It won't take Saturday Night Live to start picking on them. It won't take them very long to start picking on them. It won't take news reporters to start talking about all the messes they're bringing. Uh, you know, and half the stuff that they're promising you, they can't fulfill anyways. It's not even up to them. It's not up to one man. So, you know, it's... They, it's amazing how quickly we move on when we've gotten even what we want, even what we've been asking for. Look at the Bible. Look at uh, Samuel when uh, they elected uh, Saul as king. They picked him, and it didn't take them very long for them to get disgruntled with him. I mean, you already had the best king in the world, God, and you're saying, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And Samuel... Because he's content and he's satisfied. He's saying, God, what am I to do with these people? And God responds and says, look, don't take it personal. It has nothing to do with you. They've rejected me as their king. 
And so this nature of discontentment. But here's what I've recognized about contentment. Because you and I were placed on this earth not for ourselves. Period. You weren't placed here for yourself. You weren't placed here just to get, 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 and, and how much can I accumulate and how much can I have. And, and, and God will bless you. God will, God will bless you a million times over. But I think that there's an attitude that we've been missing, and it's thankfulness. It's thankfulness. Just being thankful. And so here's what I've recognized about discontented people. When you are not content with what you have, you can't be compassionate to the needs of others. When you are not content with what you have, you cannot be compassionate to the needs of others. And this is what has been communicated to me and what I've kind of been picking up on through a lot of social media. Because people are complaining and and, and people are griping and whining about what's going on in the world and what's not happening and we need this and we need that. And, uh, you know, we, we quickly voice the negative stuff rather than the positive. And I see a bunch of people that don't have any compassion to hurting people. I see people that they're not moved to meet the needs of others. In fact, they almost see the needs of others as a burden on them and a problem. I mean, I I can name multiple scenarios that are going on in our world right now. The, The Syrian thing going on, the refugees, and do we let them in, do we not, and the whole... You know, picture and, you know, look, we, we need to be praying for our government and for our leaders more than ever. And if all that you have coming out of your mouth is complaint and griping and complaining about who is uh, leading this nation right now, don't say anything at all. If you can't pray for them, if you can't ask the Holy Spirit to guide them, if you can't ask God to send people along their path that can speak wisdom and guidance and direction, then let's just not say anything at all because we're not helping this scenario. You and I are the church of the living God. You and I have more power than we probably know or believe that we have. And we have opportunities through our prayers to change things. The Bible tells us that our prayers are powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man is effective. The Amplified said dynamic in its work. I mean, do we really believe that or not? But I can tell you what's not powerful is our complaining doesn't contain the power to change things. But even beyond our, 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 our nation, we see things happening in the world. And Jesus' ministry was moved by compassion. How many times do we see in the Word that he says, and Jesus was moved with compassion? He'd look out uh, on, on the multitudes and, and see uh, sheep without a shepherd. What did he saw? What did he see? A need. He saw them without something. Do you see people without something or do you see you without something? Do we look around and see others and what they need and what they don't have? Or do we just look at what we don't have? Going back to Acts chapter 3 there, Peter says, Silver and gold I have none. Silver and gold I have none. I, I think that's where a lot of a lot of us stop what I don't have. And then we fixate on that, what I don't have. But Peter goes on to say, but 
what I do have. Now, when we get to what we do have, a lot of us are discontent with what we have. We don't think we have enough. We don't think we have what people need. And Peter and John here, they don't even have what they know the man's looking for. They don't even have the answer that that they know the man is believing for. But they know that they have something. Because everyone has something. But when we become fixed on what we don't have, well, I think what the key that we're missing is is thankfulness. See, Peter and John in, in the previous chapter just received something that they knew uh, that, that God had spoken of, that God was going to give them. They just received the promise of the Holy Spirit. God had, Jesus, before he left, he had just told them, now look, I want you to go in Jerusalem. I want you to tarry. I want you to wait for me or wait for the promise. I'm going to send you the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so they go and they wait. And the Holy Spirit comes. So now these two men are spirit-filled, walking through, uh, going to the temple to pray. To what? To go talk to God. To go talk to God. Not to talk to God about their problems. But to go worship Him. And to praise Him. And to thank Him for what He just brought to them. You just promised us something and you just gave us something. You just showed up in our lives. You just came through on a promise for us. And now we're going to go to the temple. We're going to praise you. We're going to worship you. We're going to magnify you. We're going to thank you. And so now on the way they see a man in need. But they don't see what they don't have. Oh, man, there's nothing I can do about that. Oh, well, I'm just going to go on to the temple praising God. No, they immediately look at, but wait, what do I have? But what I do have, I give. Now, there's the issue. Because for most of us, what we have, we keep. And this is why I split up the two words, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. My my position of thankfulness today puts me in a position to give tomorrow. Because I'm thankful for what I have right now, I can give of what I have. Because the only reason I have what I have is because God gave it to me. Thankfulness. This week I challenge you. And again, I know it's a challenge. That's why I said I challenge you. It's not easy. But find something this week, every day this week, to be thankful for. Every single day. Something to be thankful for. I know you got messes. I know there's things going on in your life. I know that things are broken and in shambles and falling apart. And there's a need that you have. I know that you're believing God to minister to you. But what could you minister and meet the need of because you got yourself in a position of thankfulness? Of just thanking God for what I do have. Let's get beyond what I don't have. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've seen lots of comments on the whole going back to the Syrian refugee thing. Seen lots of comments that, you know, we've got people in our own nation that are hurting. We got, got, you know, uh, 
veterans and homeless children in our, home, in our own nation that we need to be helping and supporting. And I wonder how many of those people making those comments have actually lifted a finger to do anything about it. What in the last three months have you done about the homeless people in your nation? What in the last 12 months have you given to or supported so that those people that you are speaking of, that you are so compassionate about, but they're not speaking from a position of compassion, they're speaking from a position of discontent. I'm not satisfied and I'm not happy. It's very identifiable. I think it's very identifiable. Now, we expect everybody else to fix the problem that's in front of us, but yet we complain. If we're not compassionate, we'll become complainers. If we're not compassionate to what's around us, Peter and John are walking up to the temple, and they are moved by compassion. Why? Because we just followed a man for three and a half years that everything he did was moved by compassion. Every time he saw a need, he said, how can we? He's got people in a field. He's been ministering so long that people are getting hungry and tired, and his disciples come and say, uh, uh, we've got a problem here. Uh, these people are hungry. We need to send them away. And Jesus, what, is, what does he say? You give them something to eat. You give them. You don't understand. I'm part of the group that's hungry. I'm part of the group that's tired. I'm part of the, I need something to eat. But he's asking you to do something. And then he asks for this. What do you have? We cannot give until we identify what we have. Which means we can't bring Jesus five loaves and two fish which is all we have, and say, see, Jesus, I don't have enough. That's what most of us do. That's what I would do. If I was one of Jesus' disciples, I would have brought him five loaves and two fish and said, there you go. We ain't got it. Plan B, what's next? And Jesus never asked for what I don't have. He only asked for what I do have. Come on, man. What can God do? With what we have. What can God do in our lives if we would just begin to be thankful? When's the last time you praised him? When's the last time you honored him? When's the last time you sang, great are you, Lord? Was this the first time in three months? Was this the first time in a month? Was this the first time in the year that we've really sat down and said, great are you, Lord? Great and mighty to be praised. I exalt you, Father. I love you. I praise you. I honor you. Now, here's why this is so important. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, we've seen it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. The same measure that you use will be measured back to you. Give, and it shall be given. See, the world says if you need, you keep. The world says if you need, hold on. If you need, don't let go. Don't give up what you got. You need that. And the kingdom says if you need, find an avenue to give. Find an avenue to sow. Find an avenue to serve. Give something. Give of your time. 
Give of your influence. Give of your uh, 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 words. Give of your compassion. Give of your heart. Give of your finances. And I don't know about you, but if you're in need, you want to find a place to give something. You let me find, give me the avenue because gratitude is the gateway. Gratitude is the gateway. The reason why we're not getting is because we're not giving. The reason why we're not seeing come to us is because we're not finding avenues to pour out. I've never met, I've never met a contented person that didn't have any compassion for other people's needs. It's not about you having a lot. It's about you being happy with what you have. It's not how much you have. It's how you respond to what you have. You you could write a check for a million dollars today and have the wrong heart about it. And someone else can throw in a $10 bill and have the right heart. And they would be the blessed ones versus, because it's not about how much, it's about how. It's not about how much, it's about how. It's not about how much you give, it's how you give. See, God doesn't want us to give more. He wants us to give better. He doesn't want us to give more. Many of us just want to give more and give more and give more. And he said, I can't give, I can't get you more because you won't give right. Every time I give you, uh, every time I sow something into your life, it's always a burden for you to let go of it. The thing has you rather than you having the thing. See, when we studied the parable of the steward, parable of the talents, we see three gentlemen that are given something by a master that has gone away. And the master's returning. I'm telling you right now, the master is returning. He gives to one five, he gives to one two, and he gives to one one. And it was the ones that were faithful with what was given that were increased. Because I've discovered this. The more God can trust you, the more he can trust you with. I'll say that again. The more that he can trust you, the more that he can trust you with the more that he can put into your hands because he knows they will handle it properly. But if every time he brings blessing to you and you eat it up and you keep it for yourself and, 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 and we're not generous and we don't even have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness and we act like God owes us this, and, and, you know, some of us, we, we make the biggest fit about giving 10%, and you don't realize without him you wouldn't have 100%. The whole thing belongs to him. But our heart, when we give the ten, this is, this, this is what we've got to understand, that our thankfulness is attached to our giving. Thankful people give. Thankful people sow. Because they know the only reason I have what I have is because my king gave it to me in the first place. The only reason that I have in my possession what I have today 
Peter and John, silver and gold I have none but what I do have. Let me talk, let me talk to you about what I do have. He moved right on. He didn't stay on what I don't have. He, he didn't say, man, I, I, I wish I could bless you, man. I just, I don't have it. You know, the, the silver and gold, what I have, you know, I, I got to get lunch later, man. I, I'm sorry. Uh, he, he went beyond that. And he actually presented to the man uh, something that he had that actually changed more than what the man was even expecting. The man was expecting money for a lunch. And, and Peter and John says, here, I'm going to get you up on your feet. By the power in the name of Jesus, so you can go get your own lunch now, man. You, you don't even have to be here anymore. I've got something that will go beyond where you're currently at. Which tells me this. Sometimes I think we have more than we really think we have. <laughs> what if what they're asking for isn't really what they need? And what if you really have what they need? What if you really have what they need? What if we're missing out because we only look, we don't have what they need. And maybe they need something different in the first place. Maybe they're reaching out for the wrong thing. But it all starts with us. It all starts in our heart. It all starts with our attitude. Are we thankful? Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 verse 35 says this. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Paul is communicating here to the churches. He's getting ready to go on. He's getting ready. Uh, you know, he's imprisoned and he's coming to the close to the end of his ministry. He says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, the, the, the laboring that you've seen take place in my life, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give. Than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. See, the world says, I'll get, then I'll give. And the kingdom says, I'll give because then I give. I'll give first, knowing that getting is the response to my giving. I don't give to get. My heart isn't, okay, I'm going to let this go, God. Here we go. Do your little magic trick. You know, do your little uh, give and it shall be given. Come on. I'm quoting it. I'm saying it. I'm believing it. That's not the motivation. The motivation is I want to see them blessed, and that's the blessing on my life. I want to be thankful. I want to have a heart of gratitude. I want to be content with what I have. Don't allow discontentment to come over you this, this holiday season. Don't allow a, 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 this, this nature. And, and honestly, without being weird, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a ploy by the enemy himself. To get people discontented because he knows if I can get them discontent with what they have, they'll never give it away. You won't give away if you think it's not enough. You won't give it away if you think I've, I need what I have. You won't. Give. But when you recognize that I'm thankful and I'm, I, 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 I have a heart of gratitude for what I have in my hands, I'm going to find a way to give it away. Find a way to be a blessing. Find a way. I'm looking for it. 
I know there's people in this church right now that generosity is, is your lead. I mean, you are looking for avenues to be generous. You are looking for opportunities to sow and invest in somebody. And I'm telling you right now, God doesn't take stuff away from you. He always asks for it. And you always have the opportunity to give it. And the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. What do we have to be worried about? What do we have to be concerned about? Our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's walking on streets of gold. What in the world do I have to be concerned about? What problem do I have that's so big? I can tell you what, I can tell you what the problem is. You fixate on the problem and you don't see the solution. The solution's been in your hand the whole time. The solution's been right there. But you've been saying, God, I, I don't have it. I don't have it. God, I, I wish I had more. And God's responding and saying, let me see what you do with what you've got. We'll find out if I can give you more. What's your attitude with what you have? Are we discontent? Are we not satisfied? Are, are, are we always looking for more? Are we always looking for something different? Don't allow the nature of the world to creep in to your heart this season. Don't allow the nature. This opportunity that we have this week, let's not just give thanks, but let's let our thanks put us in a position to give. I'm so thankful for what I have, I'm going to find a way to give it away. I'm going to find a way to invest it. And watch what God will do in your life. Watch what God will do. Uh, watch what he will open up in your life as a result of an attitude and a heart that says, I'm, gr- I'm grateful, I'm thankful for what I have, and I'm going to just watch and see what God's going to do with it. Amen. Chase and Lisa, if y'all would come up. I think it's a simple message. I think that it's a revealing message. We've got to understand that anytime something is given, it's always designed with the purpose to be given away. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave us his only begotten son. But what does he expect us to do in return? Now go reveal my love to the world I've given my love to you now you go love you go love Jesus I think it's interesting that he spent three and a half years making disciples 12 of them and then his last words to those disciples is now go ye therefore into all the world make disciples I mean, one of the first words that God gives to Adam and Eve is be fruitful and multiply. Reproduce what I'm putting in you. I'm putting something in you, so now you reproduce what I'm giving you. I have given to you, now you find an avenue to give out from that. God has no problem blessing people that are content with what they have. God has no problem blessing people that will steward over what has been given. But first, we've got to be thankful for what we have. 
First, we've got to be thankful for what's in our hands. First, we've got to have a heart of gratitude. Be grateful for what God has. Instead of finding things to be negative about this week, I challenge you to be positive. I challenge you to be thankful. I challenge you to be grateful that you're in a nation that you can still declare the word of God, the gospel of the kingdom. Be thankful for the safety that you have for you and your family. Be thankful that you have a job. I know they don't treat you right. I know they talk about you behind their backs. I know that they don't pay you enough, but be thankful anyways. Be thankful for your family. I know they get on your nerves. I know they don't always respond to you the way you want them to respond. I know they don't always treat you the way you always wanted to be treated. But be thankful that you have a marriage and that you have children. I saw this thing on on Facebook just this past week. Some girl had made some list and it was the things that you know people complain about and then it was the flip side you know i you know the kids are being noisy but i'm thankful that i have have a house full of kids to be with could we take the negative things that we're discontented with and find a way to be content i'll tell you you know, you don't have to apply these principles. You don't have to live this out. You don't have to go home today and the rest of this week and, and, and say, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be grateful. You can go and mumble and complain and gripe and whine for the rest of this week all you want. But I'm going to tell you, nothing's going to change with that attitude. Nothing will change. I mean, most of you parents wouldn't even change anything with your kids if they came to you that way. They came to you just always asking for more, always asking for more. Can I get this? Can I get that? Can I? You just got this. Remember, we just let's just be thankful. No, I, I, I want this. You're not really feeling compelled to go buy them a whole lot of stuff. But man, gratitude, thankfulness, on the inside, saying, "Father, I just thank you for what you've given me. I thank you for what's in my possession. I thank you." for what you have blessed me with. It may not be everything. It might not be uh, uh, enough, but you have blessed me with and be thankful. Be thankful. Father, we thank you this morning that we have an opportunity to look inward. You're not moved by the outward stuff. You're not moved by the checks we write and the, the, the things that we do. You're moved by the heart. You've always been moved by the heart. You see the stuff that man doesn't see. So, Father, I pray this morning that we look inward and we look at our hearts. We look at our attitudes. And are we thankful for what we have? Maybe it's not the standard of the level that we would like it to be, but are we thankful for it? Father, I pray this week that we challenge ourselves to be thankful. Challenge ourselves to appreciate what we have. Challenge ourselves to have gratitude so that we can open the doors for more that you have for us. You have so much more for us. You have so much in store for us. 
There's so many things you want to bring to our lives, but all we do is fixate on the negative. All we do is fixate on what's wrong with what we currently have. But, Father, if we can change that attitude, if we can change that perspective into not having enough and change it to, I'm going to bring you what I have and see what you can do with it. Father, I thank you that we'll see doors open that we've been waiting years to see. We'll see things change that we've been waiting years to see. We'll see marriage relationships align themselves that we've been waiting for. Because we don't just complain about it all the time, but we are interested in finding the solution. We're interested. We're thankful that you brought them into our lives. Father, you're the only one that has the power to change it anyway. You're the only one that has the power to change our finances. You're the only one that has the power to change our marriage and our families and our homes, to change our job situation. Father, we can't change it even if we could. Father, we thank you that if we have the right heart and the right attitude, we can see your power manifest in our lives. So, Father, this season we're thankful. We're thankful. We exalt you, we magnify you, we lift you up. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we honor you this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.